0: We are looking at the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible with you, you can pull it out and flip to the book of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 15. It's in the New Testament, about halfway through the New Testament in Paul's letters. This is what Paul says, starting at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes are on you or to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right, because you know that you have a master in heaven. Well, We've been working through a series here at Chalmers called More Than Enough, this summer, as we've been working through the book of Colossians. And when you work through a book of the Bible, you work through all of it. You can't pick and choose your passages or what you're going to be preaching on. And I know some of you right now are going, man, I came on the wrong week. (laughs) But we are going to tackle every part of Scripture because as Christians, we know that God speaks through his word and we want to know how do we apply what's being said and and how do we wrestle with what's being said. And so we're going to talk through some of that together. Now, again, just a little bit of background, just to get us uh, firmly rooted. Paul has been writing to the church at Colossae for two main reasons. First of all, to combat a false teaching that the gospel of Jesus Christ was insufficient For faith. Somehow they needed more. They needed some special or secret message or teaching. There was this false teaching that was going on in that church. And it was problematic. And so he was writing to say, Look, Christ and his death is sufficient for you. You don't need more. There isn't more to the gospel. You have received the full teaching. The second reason that he's writing is because he's in jail at this time, and he's writing to a church to encourage them. Now, now Colossae was a church that Paul had not planted. He hadn't started that church. In fact, he hadn't ever actually even visited Colossae. And yet he had heard about them, and he was encouraged by their faith, and so he wanted to write and encourage them. And he thought to himself, well, I'm in prison. I might as well just write a letter because my ministry is all over. And it's amazing that those are the letters that we have, and they have made more impact in the world, I would say, than even Paul's earthly ministry has. Now, before we go into today's text, we need to understand a little bit about the culture that Paul is writing. Paul is writing in a culture 2,000 years ago in a distant area, And the culture that he's writing to is not the same as the culture that we are in today. 2,000 years ago, when this letter was written, slavery and slave ownership was normative. People were sold into slavery for many reasons. Often they even sold themselves and their families into slavery due to financial difficulties. Also 2,000 years ago, the role of women in culture was very different than it is now. Women were seen at that point as burdens, property, or at the very best, a weaker part of the household, definitely not equal to men. Now before we get our backs up to Paul and say, wow, isn't he just bigoted here? We need to understand that Paul is not condoning The culture that he's writing. This scripture passage is not condoning the culture that it is written for, nor does scripture condone the culture that we find ourselves in either. Rather, scripture always speaks into the culture the message of Jesus. And that's what we see here today. Jesus and his message was never a message of political revolt. It was never a message of top-down, cultural upheaval. Instead, it was always, always an internal revolution of subversive message that transforms from the inside out, like a little bit of yeast does to a whole batch of dough. And so that the framework for what we're going to be talking about here. This scripture does not condone the culture, neither can we look at scripture to condone our own culture but rather to say, Jesus, what are you wanting to say to us in our culture today? So let's get to to the passage that we're looking at. Starts off with this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, pause for a second. How many people here think that the first part of that sounds like he's talking about a church service? Right? Speak the word, admonish one another, encourage one another, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It sounds like kind of what we do on a Sunday morning until you get to that last sentence. And in that last sentence, we see that Paul is expanding what he's talking about, not to just be for a Sunday morning or for a, a small gathering, but he says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is probably the most important part for today, so I want us to read it together. Ready? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is absolutely pivotal. If you get nothing else out of today, get this. Whatever you do, wherever you are in life, whatever, whatever relationship you have with whoever, do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the big point here today. However you find yourself in life, as a Christ follower, we are to live our lives for Jesus' name's sake, to honor him, to be an ambassador for Jesus, to show people Jesus in our lives. And Paul understood that this was so much more than simply on a Sunday morning or a church gathering. That this had to do with all of the relationships in our lives. And so he puts it here at the very beginning. Now, I want to tell you something that will absolutely shock and amaze you. Are you ready to be shocked and amazed? Okay. Verse 17 comes right before verse 18. Isn't that like mind-blowing? It's so incredible. And I'm a little tongue-in-cheek here, but if you look at some Bibles that you might have, some translations separate verse 17 from verse 18 with a a new title or a space or a paragraph, right? In the original text, there was no title. There was no space. It was verse 17, verse 18. Actually, there weren't even verses. That's what we're after as well. So this part here comes right before verse 18. And as, as we look at what verse 18 and so on say, we need to keep this in mind. Okay, so Paul is saying, whatever you do, in all of the relationships in your lives, honor Christ. Put Christ first. And then he gives three examples of different relationships that we have. The first relationship is the relationship in marriage. Now, not everyone here is married, and it is not necessarily God's will that everyone be in a marriage relationship. God talks about how some people are called or some people choose a single relationship, a single celibate relationship. That is a completely viable way of living, and so I, I want to recognize that, that not everyone here may get married or may be married. However, we all have had interactions with marriages in the past, whether you yourself are in a marriage, whether you can remember the marriage that you were born into, if your parents were married when you were born or raised, maybe a marriage that you've seen of a friend or a relative. We can think of different marriages that we've seen. We can also see That marriage is special in scripture. God has made marriage, heterosexual marriage, as a standard for family life. And so it makes sense that God would have a way, a special way for his followers to live in that beautiful framework that he's made for families. And this is what he talks about in this passage. And so he says, wives, he starts with the women. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, please hear me. Some of you may be saying, well, Brian, does that mean I'm second in command? Does that mean I have less importance in my marriage? Does that mean that I need to be a carpet that my husband just gets to walk over? No, that's not what Paul is saying at all. What we see in scripture is that God is a God of order. God always gives order. He isn't a God of chaos. He is a God of order. And he always gives order. And in marriages, God has given order. Where the husband is to be the head of the family or the leader of the family. This is not a matter of importance, but a matter of order. In a marriage, you have two equals and one who leads the family. And what Paul is saying is that in God's Perfect plan wives are to submit themselves to the leadership that God wants to give you through your husband now There are some big red flags that immediately start waving and I'm reading your mind right now And here are some of the ones that you're thinking right now, but Brian What if I'm in an abusive relationship, but Brian what if my husband isn't a believer But Brian, what if he just makes bad decisions over and over and over again? Those are fantastic questions. We're going to address them at the very end, so just put a pin in them. But I want us to just put them aside for a few minutes and talk about what God's ultimate and perfect plan is. And then we'll talk about the sinfulness of humanity and how that factors in. But can we, But for the sake of reading scripture well, we need to look at our lives through the lens of scripture. What does scripture say about what we, our lives should look like? Rather than reversing that and saying, well, because my life is just messy, therefore scripture doesn't mean anything to me. We can't do that. We need to always be looking at our lives through the lens of scripture. So, in the lens of scripture, the best and ultimate will of God is that marriage is between two equals, and yet has an order, has a structure where the husband is the leader. And I want to tell you this, I've talked to many women about this, and most of them, deep, deep down inside, would say that if if they trusted that their husbands were making godly decisions, if they trusted that their husbands had their best interest and their family's best interest in mind, then they would be happy to submit to his leadership. Which begs the question, if many women do not submit to their husband's leadership, then husbands, that's on us, isn't it? We need to earn the right to lead. And this is why Paul continues on after verse 18. This isn't simply a mic drop, wives submit to your husbands, peace out, I'm gone. He continues right away and he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Men... This is not simply a get your wife some flowers once in a while type of love. This is not take her out on a nice date once in a while type of love. We see in Paul's writings that he is... Connecting this type of love with the type of love that Christ has for the church. In Ephesians 5.25, he says, he expands on this. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a sacrificial love. And so, women, if you think that the idea of submitting to your husband is hard, and it is, Just take a little bit of empathy, just a tiny bit of empathy, because Paul is saying that us men, we need to love our wives and our family in the same way that Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? Well, he died for the church. He sacrificed himself completely and entirely for the church. Men, that is how we are to love our wives. And that is very difficult to do. In fact, I would wager that that is almost an impossible thing to do without being fully connected to the Holy Spirit. Let me give you just a quick, silly example of a sacrifice that we men sometimes have to make, okay? I drive a minivan. I don't drive a minivan because it makes me look sexy. It does make me look sexy, but I don't drive it for that reason. I have a wife and three kids which means that the sporty little two-door coupe that I really want to drive doesn't work for my family. And so, instead, I drive a minivan. That is a very insignificant, very silly sacrifice that I've made, right? It doesn't... Who cares? You drive a minivan, that's fine. but. In the same way, we can expand that and say that husbands, if you are wanting your family to follow you as leaders, as a leader, you need to be able to make self-sacrifice and to put them first in your life under Christ. You need to be in prayer. You need to be following what God is saying to you for your family. You need to be showing your wife and your family that you put their interests first. That is not all about your career. It's not all about the money in the bank. It's not all about the power that you could get. It's about putting your family first. And if you do that, and if you can show that to your wife and to your children, I'm certain that they will trust your leadership much more. We as husbands are to lay down our lives for our families. Now, I want to say, most of the time, what does this look like? Most of the time, this leadership in a family will look like communication and compromise. Most of the time. A good leader is not a dictator. Good leader is not a dictator. Most of the time, it will look like communication, clear communication, good compromise. However, there will be times in a marriage where there isn't a way to compromise. That a husband and a wife want different things, believe different things are the best for their family, and it is at those times that Paul says the wife needs to submit to the leadership of the husband, trusting that the husband has what is best for the family in mind. My wife's not here today, so you can't actually check this. But Heather would say that probably she can count at the very most a handful of times, less than five, of when she felt like she actually had to step back and submit to my leadership. It doesn't happen very often at all because we communicate and we compromise and we work together And so she would say that this submitting thing is easy when you trust your husband to make good and godly decisions. Again, let's go back to Colossians 17 for a minute. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the basis, this is the foundation for this marriage relationship. So wives, as a wife, you are to be a wife in the name of the Lord Jesus. Husbands, you are to be a husband in the name of the Lord Jesus, serving Christ first, putting Christ before all. Now, well, let's talk about these two other relationships, and we'll get to the, those big elephant in the room red flag questions. Next, Paul Moves on to the relationship of families. And he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. In the same way that God gives order in a marriage, God gives order in a family. And parents are to be the leaders of the family under Christ. And so, children are to obey and to respect their parents. Again, I want to say, parents, this is not a mic drop. This is not, hey folks, you need to obey me, peace out. This is absolutely crucial Because in the same way as children are to obey parents, Paul says, Fathers, and I would suggest that mothers, you as well, can glean from this. Do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Parenting under Christ never leaves kids resentful of Christ. It's not about quoting over and over again, Well, the Bible says obey your parents. We need to model the love and grace of Christ in our families to our children. Think about your own relationship to Christ. You have been made acceptable to God through Christ. And our children have that same opportunity. What if our homes modeled the love and grace of Christ that was focused on grace rather than on works? That we loved our kids not because of what they did or didn't do, not because of how they obeyed us or disobeyed us, but rather because of who they are and whose they are. What if we loved our children because of who they are and whose they are? That they actually belong to God and we are simply stewards of them here on earth. To raise them up. And to help and support them to follow Christ themselves. Remember what we pray at this church almost every single Sunday for our kids. That they would have soft hearts to accept the love and truth of Christ Jesus. That they would grow in love with Jesus and his church. And that their parents would model what it means to fully live for Christ. Again... Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So if you are a child under the authority of your parents, do that to honor Christ. If you are a parent caring for your children, care for your children, raise your children to honor Christ. And show them that through your own love. Number three, really quick, relationships at work. We invest a lot of time and a lot of energy at work. Whether you work for yourself, whether you work for someone else, it takes a lot of energy and we invest a lot of ourselves in the workplace. And Paul again understood this. He was talking to slaves and slave owners. Hopefully you don't feel like a slave, but maybe sometimes you do. And again, I want to say Paul was not condoning slavery, but he was speaking the freedom of Christ into the lives of slaves, saying... You are now working for Christ, not just your slave owner. This is what he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Why? Because it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. Again, Paul is saying here that even if you are a slave, you can experience the fullness of Christ in your life. Paul is speaking the freeing power of the gospel that changes our perspective. And this is so important. And if you work for someone if you work for a company, if you work for a boss, whatever that might look like, if you can get this in your head, it will change how you live those 8 to 12 hours a day because it changes our perspective. We are no longer simply working for the paycheck. We are no longer simply working for the praise or the applaud or the promotion. We're not working for our earthly masters anymore. We're working for Christ. And when we work for Christ, we can do it in the name of Jesus to serve Him well. And if you can get that in your mind, you can do anything for 8 to 12 hours a day. You can flip burgers at McDonald's for Christ. I did it. You can work on an assembly line Hours and hours and hours a day for Christ. I did it. You can change diapers again and again and again for Christ. Because you're working for him, not for the praise or admiration of someone else. And again, he continues, Masters, if you are the boss, provide your slaves with what is fair and right. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And again, he's simply saying here, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wherever you find your law in life, do it for Christ. Okay, now, let's take those elephants back out. Take the red flag buttons back out for a minute, and let's talk about those. What if you are married to someone who isn't following Christ or who just makes bad decisions? What if you have parents who aren't following Christ or just make bad decisions? What if you have a boss who isn't a follower of Christ or makes bad decisions? What do you do then? In those circumstances, we are still to obey and submit to the authority that we have been put underneath to the extent to the extent that it does not cause you to sin. We are to submit and obey to the authorities in our lives to the extent that it does not cause you to sin. And so, if you have a spouse who's not a follower of Jesus, as much as you are able, you are still to submit and obey and to respect their decisions, as long as they do not ask you to sin. Same if you have a boss, same if you have parents in this way. Let me give you an example of the sin. You're at work. You find a flaw in the accounting system in which your boss has been embezzling some money. And he tells you, hey, keep it quiet or else you'll lose your job. Well, he's your authority, but he's now asking you to lie. And so in that moment, he we are no longer able to submit to his authority, we need to tell the truth, and yes, you may lose your job for that. The same is true if you have a husband or a wife who asks you to sin, you cannot do that, and still, whatever you do, and do it in the name of Jesus. We can't do that, they don't compute together. And so, I wanna encourage you, if it doesn't come down to that line, Continue to pray for your spouse, for your parents, for your boss, for your children. Continue to ask God to bless them. Continue to ask God to show his love to them. And hopefully, they would turn to him and follow him. And that would be a fantastic thing. But even if they don't, we are to submit to the order that we find ourselves in. However, however... If you are in an abusive situation spouse family boss this scripture is not saying that you should stay in that situation this is not condoning that abuse if you are in an abusive situation you may need to leave and I would encourage you to seek counsel talk to someone like myself or another professional, someone that you can trust. This scripture passage does not condone abuse of any sort. And I want to be super clear on that. What this passage says is that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we are to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 90% of the time, you can continue to do that within the relationships that you were in. 10% of the time, you may have to leave. And if that's the case, please seek some help, seek some counsel. If we can help you in any way, that's great. If that's not the case, if you're in that 90% and you go, but Brian, I just don't know, how do I do this well in this frustrating situation? Come and talk to me as well. I would love to grab a coffee with you, love to chat about it, love to pray with you, love to support you as you seek to follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and for your grace. Lord Jesus, we invite you to do in our lives what you alone can do. This passage is not easy. Most of us like being in control and not giving up control. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would comfort us and that you would guide us and that you would give us the courage, the courage to be part of a team the courage to be part of a family, the courage to work and love and care for you. Father, I want to pray specifically for the wives here, and I just pray that you would give them uh, hearts to, to see their husbands as leaders. But Lord, I also pray for their husbands right now, and I pray that you would help us to stand up and be men of faith, be men of integrity, that we would put our families first, that we would choose you over anything else. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we do all this because you are the head of all of us. And we submit to your lead. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.